And we designed it in a way that was very modular in the sense that instead of Zcash and all these other stuff where they do stuff in circuits, like very complicated circuits to prove a bunch of different things, uh, we use, I would say, specialized ZK proofs to prove specific things like here's a membership proof, here's a balance proof, there's a range proof, right? It makes it a lot easier to prove security and you don't really have to fiddle around with the circuit. So that means it also makes it modular in the sense that if we find something better, we can take that part out and improve it uh, at least to a certain extent. This podcast is sponsored by Coin ATM Radar. When buying crypto with cash, an ATM is much more reliable and safer than meeting some random person in a random place. And unlike an exchange, which could freeze your account, you truly own all the crypto you buy. With Coin ATM Radar, you could find crypto ATMs and other services where you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies for cash. On their website, you can search by coin, address, if the ATM supports selling as well as buying, and you can also search by geo area, country, state, city. You can also check and compare actual current fees at different ATMs. If you want to find out more, head over to coinatmradar.com, which is C-O-I-N-A-T-M-R-A-D-A-R. Hey everyone, I have the pleasure of once again speaking with the one and only Ruben Yap of Firo. How's it going, man? Doing good. Uh, you know, we, we just had like a little pre-talk before this, uh, you know, went through a little scare last night, but all good. But really excited to be here and it's always nice to see someone like, you know, like you who's like really living the crypto dream, right? So dream or nightmare, I'm not sure, but I guess more dream than nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's more it's more everyday life now. It's more boring, unexciting, mm. just the way things are. I don't remember how people do their banking finances some days. I'm just like, how does that work? Because it's just foreign to me. But uh, so you've been on a few times, at least um, all the way back to the the Z Coin days um, back mm-hmm. in the day. I remember the because uh, I have an old thumbnail that has a Z Coin logo on it and stuff. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been a while. But so um, Firo has been one of those projects that I've been paying attention to on kind of like, you know, at a distance for a bit and then a little closer. Um, partially because, you know, at first it was like, oh, it's another project that uses like the stuff I was familiar with, like the Dash technology, master nodes and stuff. I'm like, oh, someone else is doing mm-hmm. that. That's interesting. But increasingly it's like the privacy conversation because the first privacy conversation was sort of the the dark coin versus Monero type conversation, and then yeah. that I heard about Zcoin. I don't know how you know front and center that was in the conversation, but then it was always you know Monero and Zcash for the longest time. The Mimblewimble coins, in terms of hype, mm-hmm. sort of appeared for a second and disappeared. And I know there's the Beam team is still go, doing good things. I know obviously uh, Litecoin's really going hard into that. But it seems like mm-hmm. as far as like the top level stuff, um, we're usually talking about Zcash's tech and then we're also talking about whatever Monero's doing next with Seraphis. But then there's also Firo in the mix. And mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of these, I, I don't want to say make, make it sound like I'm being negative here, but like a lot of like the PIVX kind of projects seem to have just sort of ad- adopted a tech and are not pushing it forward. So, to, from my outside perspective, it seems like Firo is pushing it forward. 
So uh, last time we talked, you mentioned about Lolantis more just, I guess, V1. So do you want to mm-hmm. quickly explain how that works and then mention like, going to Spark and how that's different and all that? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we started out with zero coin, which is why we were originally called uh, Zcoin. And that basically, you know, used RSA accumulators. There was a, a trusted setup, but one that wasn't... Well, I mean, I probably won't go into that. Uh, but basically, it allowed people to, like, burn coins of fixed denomination and redeem them for that same denomination later. Uh, and I guess that was like kind of like the first like uh, zero knowledge proof style. Of course, you know Monero people would say, yeah, you know they use zero knowledge proofs uh, as well. But I guess this was like a different approach, and that's what, kind of like what really drawn me because you know I used to be uh, part of the Dash community too. But obviously, uh, you know when privacy started taking a back seat, and you know when uh, Zcoin was coming up. You know, I, I, I aligned myself more with that privacy uh, thing. Then after that, we did something called Sigma, which was basically zero coin without a trusted setup using different type of cryptography. But what we found that was a huge limitation was that requirement to burn and redeem in fixed denominations. And what that means is that if I burn one, I can redeem one. If I burn 10, I can redeem 10. And obviously, you don't want people to be burning like 12.5 something something because that can stand out if not enough people are using that denomination, right? Which is, I guess, a very similar concept to CoinJoin uh, in, in many type of implementations. Uh, so we were like, mm, okay, you know, it would be great if we can burn any arbitrary amount and redeem even partial amounts. So that means I can burn 176.52 and redeem 0.67 and that works, right? So that's kind of how Lelantis came about. And it doesn't have any sort of trusted setup. It uses uh, something called one of many proofs. So that was kind of like an interesting uh, path that we took because of our Zcoin heritage and also because we really didn't want to deal with trusted setup. So that was mm-hmm. the thing. So, so yeah, that's kind of Lelantis in a nutshell. But after that, we kind of realized like, hey, actually, you know, we... To get really full privacy, and of course, that's that discussion of supply auditability. Should you be able to see the coins like actually physically there? I mean, that's I think a nuanced argument for that. That could go on for you know half an hour or more. Uh, but if anyone wants to take a look at that, you could take a look at Fluffy Pony's uh, talk on supply auditability. Just look it up on YouTube. That gives a very uh, good view on that. But we realized that, hey, you know, if we are privacy coin, we should do privacy really well. And what we wanted was, even though we had Lelantis version 1, we also had something called Lelantis version 2, which allowed people to use, instead of having to burn and redeem, you could actually pass that receipt to redeem to someone else, right? So it's kind of like a Z to Z transaction. But then we realized that, oh, this we could do that, but it lacked as kind of a stealth addressing type of system that, you know, I guess like stuff like Monero and Zcash has where you just share one address out, you can share it publicly. It's like an email address that people can send and you can send from, but then people don't actually see what's going in and out of it. So like that address, you can't search it on the blockchain. And we thought that was like a really important thing 
just rather than hoping people don't do address reuse, right? So uh, we came up with this whole new privacy protocol that was kind of inspired on our work with Lelantis, and therefore we called it Lelantis Spark. And that basically is Lelantis with what we call Spark addresses, which is a type of stealth address, but totally different, like, you know, backend and stuff like that. And we designed it in a way that was very modular in the sense that instead of Zcash and all these other stuff where they do stuff in circuits, like very complicated circuits to prove a bunch of different things, uh, we use, I would say, specialized ZK proofs to prove specific things. Like, here's a membership proof. Here's a balance proof. You know, here's a, uh, you know, like this, this, there's that this thing like no negative numbers and no infinite numbers. There's a range proof, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have all these things proving specific things, and that has, I would say, well, first of all, again, no trusted setup, but it makes it a lot easier to prove security, and you don't really have to fiddle around with the circuit uh, a lot, and it makes it so. So that means it also makes it modular in the sense that if we find something better, we can take that part out and improve it. Uh, at least to a certain extent. And we're already doing that. We actually found a better membership proof uh, and we're already in the process of, of doing the research for it. Uh, and actually, Seraph, uh, actually, like, you know, Spark was so good that it actually, like you mentioned Seraphis. Seraphis mm-hmm. actually kind of like um, took a lot of inspiration from uh, Spark because what was happening was Coil, Coil, K-O-E, Yuko, mm-hmm. uh, who I guess was the first guy who came up with Seraphis. He had something called Zero CT then. And it was just a framework. There was no like paper or cryptographic uh, thing written out then. Uh, and he was like missing certain components to complete his protocol. Uh, of course, we were like, you know, in touch, you know, Aaron or Sarang, who's also uh, a huge, you know, Monero researcher, was also working with us, like saying like, shared our ideas with, with a core who said like, hey, look, you know, those ideas look really good and why he'll integrate that into his framework because those were the missing components he needed in the addressing and the, uh, and the membership proofs. So, you know, at one point, Seraphis and Spark look really, really similar. It was like, hmm, they're almost kind of the same thing just with like very minor differences. But since then, uh, it's kind of branched out. They have... Seraphis, you know, now has a different addressing system called Jamtis and all of that, but um, it still has a lot of similar design roots and I guess like, yeah, um, similar design concepts. So, so yeah, I'm really proud that that Spark has kind of sparked this thing as well because it's this whole new family of privacy protocols that, that is really, really good and like, you know, can compete very high anonymity sets like similar to Zcash with a totally different type of construction. Yeah, yeah it's so, um, we were talking about user experience, like from what the end user sees. Mm. Um, how different would a led to Spark kind of approach be from a Zcash shielded approach? Would it look the same? What about um, the, like as far as like you just have one address and you send to it and then you can't see anything on a block explorer or whatever. And then as far as, you know, wallet syncing times and proof generation time and stuff from just what the user, obviously there's a lot of differences under the hood, but from the mm-hmm. exterior, does it resemble a lot of that experience? Yes. 
it resembles a lot of that experience. Obviously, now Zcash is talking about the unified address thing, which mm-hmm. a bit like mm, about we we really want to move most of it into Spark addresses, and also I think we don't want people to be confused mm-hmm. as to whether they're getting privacy or not. I think there's arguments for both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, I would say the approach is very similar. Uh, or oh, well, the user experience is quite similar. The performance is, is is pretty good. You know, you can run on a mobile wallet without any issue. And we're still optimizing that. So I would say it's pretty competitive uh, on the user experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so under the hood, as far, far as the way things are generated, is it just a, I I guess from a non-technical perspective, it's, it's basically a very similar kind of a way of doing things, but just completely different. <laughs> In a way, so as far as like a that reminds me, I was speaking with the, the Chainflip guys not too hmm. long ago, and Chainflip, from my understanding, kind of does exactly the same thing as Thorchain, but through mm-hmm. a but completely from a, almost like a multiversal Thorchain, where it's like it right. turned out the same, but all the components are different. It was just approaching yep. a different, arrived at the same destination from a different um, a different path. Is is that kind of a corollary for, for dumb people like me? Uh, yes, but when we were also coming out with Spark, because, you know, like one of the biggest things that was an original differentiator, which I don't I don't think people truly care about, although a lot of, like, you know, Monero people would say otherwise, was this whole, you know, Zcash has trusted set up, you know, they're working with the feds, blah, 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 which, which well, I, I don't believe that, at least not on the trusted setup. Uh, mm-hmm. thing as a, as yeah, a which intentional the, backdrop. The yeah. trusted setup was removed a couple of years ago, I believe, in the, I believe, Orchard. With Halo 2. Or Halo uh, yeah, 2. Orchard, then, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but the, I guess, like, what was the, when we were developing, I mean, obviously, it's good to have, you know, different implementations. Because mm-hmm. as far as I know, the last time I checked, Orchard didn't have former security proofs, although it doesn't mean that it does it, it isn't secure. But one of the other things that we were also noticing, at least during that time, I mean, uh, now obviously Josh has taken over Zuko uh, mm-hmm. and there is a, a different feeling uh, for that. But it was a point where, especially when they were developing Halo 2 and Orchard, um, the Zcash became a lot more closed. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't... Like they were like, we are doing this for ourselves, you know. We are not going to be sharing our research like as openly. Like there's no actual paper uh, on Halo Two, you know. There is a paper on Halo that isn't an academic type paper on Halo mm-hmm. Two, and a lot of the, a lot of the intricacies of tuning that circuit are, of course, it's in the code, but it's not like you know. It requires a lot of expertise on that. And if you notice that although Halo 2 was open source, like MIT license or something very permissibly licensed, originally Orchard was under this weird Bossel license, uh, you know, mm-hmm. which Zcash had some restrictions and it was yeah. designed to, yeah, I think you, you know about that. And so we yeah, were like, the, hmm, the interesting you know? thing about, you did mention with Josh uh, about things changing. I believe the very first day when he made his announcement, he took over the ECC CEO. He relicensed mm. Orchard as MIT. He got rid of that Correct. Like the very first day. So I, I, it does make sense what you're talking about about an, an old school, closed, more closed off culture on that. 
So I'm really, really like recently we've. I mean, I wouldn't say we're like you know Zcash and I are working together, but we've been actually, you know, we've had good conversations. I've been, you know, I guess like indirectly speaking with Josh, speaking to some of the 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 Z uh, Zcash committee people, especially when we we're dealing with the the Binance stuff. So you know, it made me feel like, hmm, okay, you know, like at least there's a uh, like there there is a shift in in the way these people are approaching other projects when usually it was more of like they didn't want to have anything to do with us, right? So mm-hmm. I think that 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 is a welcome change. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's definitely been an interesting thing to see the the whole privacy world shift a lot. I mean, I think that um in you know, the early days or I don't know how early, but like as far as when I started paying attention in 2016 onwards, there was a lot of animosity. And then I think the animosity, there's some old school animosity, but it's modern. The modern members of these communities seem to be a lot better over the last like few years I've noticed. And so um, hopefully now we kind of see they were on the same side, but that's a, that's kind of interesting, you know, segue into where we are today with privacy because right. I remember um, back when ev- it was the Wild West, everyone could do what they wanted. No one knew anything about privacy. Now maybe people yeah. know a little bit, very little still, but they know something. Mm-hmm. And then there was this big wave of the the concept of privacy coins and delistings happened. Uh, probably mm-hmm. 2018, 19, somewhere around there mm-hmm. that started to happen, really. And right. it just completely haphazardly. And now that kind of quieted down for a long time. And then now it's sort of back in the last couple of years. I know mm-hmm. um, there are some exchanges like OKX, I believe, that delisted a few things. I do notice there are some exchanges that seem to have delisted not like the privacy coin grouping type thing, but also it's more of like liquidity and just volume. They just, nah, it's a good excuse now to make them. Yeah. You know, not complain. But um, there seems to be the more educated kind of <laughs> delisting or thing, which culminated in the Binance thing. Because Binance is all, listen, for whatever you say about Binance, like Binance has been a, a massive part of crypto's yes. success up until this point. And also a massively sketchy operation in some ways. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. There. No judgment at all. Like, you know, do get your bag, do what you want to do. But, uh, so to have Binance cracking down on some of these things, coming after Monero, getting rid of Monero, or you know, in a few days, I guess, and mm-hmm. basically telling, from my understanding, I haven't been super close in this, Zcash and Firo have to change or add some new address type in order to remain on the platform. So right. as someone closer to that, do you mind just explaining that whole exchange address process and how that came to happen? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, f- well. First of all, I mean, like you know, um, I'm not like you know defending Binance. Obviously, in the early days, especially when they were seeking high growth and whatnot. Obviously, there was like very lax KYC. I think, if I recall correctly, it was a like, two Bitcoin limit without KYC. If if <laughs> if I remember. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, obviously, I mean, this. I think a lot of this, uh, like stuff against them that, that was brought up was during that period not when they were already uh i think in the past couple of years you know they brought like ex-regulators out they made binance us and try all these things to to legitimize themselves but obviously in the early days that was not their focus and 
a lot of exchanges then operated like then you know arguably some still do right mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah so i mean i i'm not one to say like ah oh, you know binance is perfect they, they are not doing anything wrong but i also find it a bit disingenuous when people kind of like say oh they're scammers i mean they're not in the same category as ftx and 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 when you talking to many different type of exchanges at least when in comparison you know to the others that i've dealt with you know i would say they're not that bad and if you talk to the market makers uh, like you know people who who do like deal with these exchanges they say actually like you know binance is one of the the more top-notch ones obviously not defending all these other things uh you know that they admitted to but just what what just saying that yeah you know if you want to throw Binance under the bus, you probably have to throw most other centralized exchanges under the bus besides the, the very few ones that, you know, kind of started up the regulatory route, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, so so what actually happened was, um, to, to give some context why this thing kind of happened was, I guess, two big events happened. One which is the coming into force of the MICA regulations, which is the market and crypto assets regulations. And that actually started affecting us even before the whole Department of Justice actions on Binance. And you would have noticed there was, like, I think two years ago, there was like a a notice to say like, oh, Binance and a couple of other exchanges are delisting uh, privacy coins from um, European, like certain European countries, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was very little, there was very little conversation or feedback on that they were like saying we were dealing with local regulators they want us to delist it we went ahead and delisted right and so we were unavailable in like six or seven different european countries uh so that was like already a huge warning shot right uh but then we also saw like you know micro rules coming into place and we're like we have to find a way to deal with this because MICA applies across Europe and Mm -hmm. if there isn't a strategy or at least some sort of plan to deal with this or how we plan to deal with it, we are going to get removed from most exchanges because Europe is a big market that I would say most exchanges don't want to like mess with, right? (laughs) Yeah, Of course, yeah. Uh, Right. And we actually, you know, we we talked about this like a very long time. First, there was the travel rule which we felt that we still complied with. But then with this market crypto assets, the law actually, the the rule actually specifically mentions to say assets which have inbuilt anonymization cannot be traded on these exchanges until unless the ex- unless they can identify the users and the transaction history of that of that thing. I, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's along those lines, right? That means they want to know who and the transaction history. Which is like, wow, you know, that if you read it in the like the most unfavorable way, it just means that you you can't have a privacy coin unless you have a backdoor, which is obviously a non-starter for us, right? Yeah, um, either a universal yeah. one or a view key kind of a thing that lets you show the entire transaction history of some given coins, of course, up to when, yeah. right? As in from the yeah. Genesis block, from the from the Coinbase or whatever, what? Correct. And and so that was like a, like a bit like hmm like how how the heck are we going to deal with this? But then, uh, so when in 
we, we tried to engage with Binance then, but then they were like, mm, no, we have our hands tied. But what happened was in September, another kind of like huge warning shot was fired when Binance actually sent a message to us and said, do you have any plans to completely remove privacy? <laughs> like, <laughs> Just asking, no reason. Ugh, there's no, no reason, guns. right? Yeah, yeah. And then we're like, um, I'm like, no. <laughs> like, like, that's mm. our whole purpose right like you know if of course you know it's quite funny to see some some coins that used to call themselves privacy coins i mean i mean this was i guess dash uh it's also like a dual a dual type of identity mm. there but verge you know verge it used to be called something else i forgot um yeah verge was uh, um dogecoin yeah. dark i believe yeah then but even before there was another name oh never mind but mm. but they were saying, oh, we're oh, yeah. completely public and all of that, right? So Yeah, and I remember um, Horizon was, what was it forked from Zcash? And then they ended up pivoting to be a sidechain platform or something. And then mm -hmm. because of that, they removed base layer privacy and just said, oh, well, the sidechains will have it, but we won't. And after yep. that, they still got delisted from some places, which is, oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah. It's like the reputation like travel. Correct. Dash is also something, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, they, you, you guys have been like, you know, trying to to get rid of that stigma for for so long, right? Mm -hmm. um, a funny little story was that uh, we were supposed to get listed on Crypto.com, mm -hmm. but then when Crypto.com uh, listed Dash, um, a, a lot of the partners were like, "We're not comfortable," and then as a result, they refunded us. <laughs> The listing integration fee, and well, we can't list any more privacy coins. I'm like, thanks, Dash. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't remember <laughs> the specifics, but I, I do remember um, the Dash community being upset at the time because Crypto.com did not completely support Dash or something. Like maybe they let you buy and sell on the platform, but they didn't accept it for the card or for their payment gateway. There was some kind of a specific thing that you know. Again, this is all the world of very opaque crypto exchanges where you don't know why they're making these decisions and there's no one reason there's always some reason of you know they don't want trouble but does it mean that they have laws they have to comply with have they been specifically visited by authorities do they have a banking partner that doesn't like what they that just is uncomfortable or are they just making things up to be like oh we want to just avoid trouble you know don't always yeah. know that they don't tell you <laughs> Yeah, Huobi was also uh, someone that they did they delisted us. This was even before Micah and all of that. They delisted us and put out an announcement that they de were delisting us. They they did have a call of us to to their credit to kind of explain things, and they were saying that basically Korean regulators were cracking down down on them. They were like a really important market, uh, and that they couldn't afford to lose it, and therefore they had to delist us. But uh, what was very interesting was that uh, because I said like, look, you guys have Huobi Korea and you have Huobi International, you know, can't you just like make us unavailable in Huobi Korea? I mean, like, how does that apply to Huobi International, right? But then um, they said like, no, uh, the Koreans is like, no, as long as there's some Koreans using Huobi International, our jurisdiction also applies there. Uh, so, but interestingly, they they really. They relisted us quietly, but told us not to announce it. So, which was a, a whole interesting, weird thing in in a way. But I can kind of Ma understand. Major side chick energy, from. you know. 
<laughs> yeah, hmm. uh, which was horrible. Like you know, you mm-hmm. you, you, uh, you we we suffered from the the delisting news, but then never got like the relisting, like you know, recovery, right? Uh, but Binance uh, was so actually, I was like, oh, crap! If they're asking this question, that's like it's gonna happen. I don't know. Is this is this the end? You know, like with this Binance relationship, right? And I was like, hey, look, you know. If you can, you know, the last time you 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 delisted us from Europe, we didn't have a proper conversation. If you can tell me the specific concerns and regulations that you are concerned about, and because I I'm a I, I used to be a lawyer for ten years, right? I was like, maybe you know I, I can work something out, you know, like you know as we we can't like compromise, like you know have a backdoor in privacy. But if there's a if there's a way to to stay on board let's at least have that conversation right and to their credit they agreed to have that conversation uh and actually before that conversation i tried reaching out to uh, a couple of other privacy coins especially zcash uh and and zcash was like zcash at that point were like kind of dragging their heels and and i was like i cannot wait for Zcash to come up with their stuff because they're dragging their heels. This thing is going to be coming really quickly and I need to solve my end, right? Because when I was first hearing them, they say, like, oh, we could give them like our view keys and whatnot. And I was like, I don't think that's not, that's not really going to work. And it's also horrible for privacy. Uh, and Binance also wasn't having any of that thing to be dealing with the view keys, right? So I think at least that, that, idea that view keys can help with regulation so far hasn't panned out you know and mm-hmm. I, I you know it's just a nice feature to have and i don't think it should be prom- promoted as a oh this is a regulatory catch-all no there are other considerations as well so i was like okay uh, let's let's have that conversation with finance and they told me that they are they told me what they were facing basically they said that Look, you know, uh, the way that they are interpreting MICA and also what their regulation regulators mm-hmm. and their compliance department are saying is that okay, yeah, MICA says this, but it means that like, look, we we already know who the person is because of KYC, right? So okay, we can kind of satisfy that requirement, but with the transaction history, that's a lot harder because if it comes from a a shielded address. You cannot see the, the transaction history of the depositor, right? And and I was like, then they said that you know, even if we want to refund that money to the depositor, we can't. Uh, how do we do that? If we contact, you know, first of all, you say, oh, customer support has to contact, and then that person gives a return address and sends it back. Yeah. First of all, that person could be giving a third-party address and then now Binance is helping money laundering, right? Because mm-hmm. it's kind of be clean through the exchange. And they were like, we want to make sure to send it back to that same address, right? And with a transparent address, that's so simple because you send it to us, we feel that, you know, we're not comfortable with the risk or, you know, we can send it back to the same address that it came from. And we're like, yep, we're free of it. We don't even have to have customer interaction with that, right? That means... It's easy on their end to do that, right? Uh, and that to me was like, okay, that kind of makes sense, right? And at least with transaction history, I mean, obviously you can create a new transparent address all the time, but at least there's an address to look up on the blockchain and say, ah, yeah, it came from this address. 
technically it complies with the transaction history component of the mica thing right of course you know you have the you have other uh, measures in place like you know your your kyc you know all this type of risk type of of assessments but just to meet the wording of the, the thing yeah you know we have to be able to come from a transparent address so i was like thinking in my head well, well if that's the case then that's not so bad why don't we just create a, a special address that exchange uh, exchanges can use that will only accept transparent inputs and i was thinking what is the what is the 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 privacy downfall from that what are you giving up right and mm -hmm. it's not very much because you can create a new transparent address unshoe your funds into there right which have an unknown source and a totally new address it's like same like lelantis privacy and then deposit it into the exchange and i'm like that's the same thing i asked i asked binance so like would this satisfy of course it feels a bit silly right like for us that are in it but they're like no that that kind of makes sense and then it also makes it easy for them to say if we are not comfortable with it just return it to the same address right so i yeah. was like okay yeah it kind of makes sense because um it, it definitely defines that it's not about stopping criminal activity it's about covering an ass and so mm -hmm. if the exchange either can tell a a regulator um can we complied with the letter of the law in this case therefore that that's all they care about. they check that box or if they can just even if it's not a legal thing they can just tell people see look we are very compliant we checked that the, the, the we did our little thing it's just like a process to make some people feel better and go away so they could go back to doing business it does make sense and and i mean one of these things is it's not just the regulators thing because you know obviously chain analysis companies have also been lobbying and you know perpetuating this uh myth to say that oh black blockchain analysis is a uh, must have to be compliant right i mean let's face it you know only the, on the very big hacks and even then it's kind of circumstantial it only catches those people who are like kind of sloppy with it right mm -hmm. but and and look you know chain analysis supports zcash and all of that even though like you know you can be doing this unshielding shielding stuff and then like you can't really you don't really get that much usable metrics maybe you get some metrics right but because they can say ah Yes, you know, this chain supports some sort of blockchain analysis. It ticks another box for them, right? And of course, we can say, oh, rah, 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 you know, we are, we're not going to support this. But the way I see it is that rather than seeing it as exchanges, you know, like trying to fuck us over, I felt mm -hmm. it was more of like, look, exchanges have these regulations imposed on them. They just want to meet it. If we can find a way to meet it without sacrificing too much on user privacy, it's a win for both sides, right? Of course. So, so I mean, I understand why Monero did what they did. You know, first of all, they can kind of afford to do it, even though it's still going to be a big blow to them. Obviously, you know, now they're cheering to they say yes, delisters, because there's a lot of distrust uh, mm -hmm. on on Binance with Monero. You know, there's that, there's that rumor to say that oh, they're only trading paper Monero, and you know, every time you say. You know, I, I was even called out Seth on it, right? Because I said, like, mm -hmm. yeah, you say you have this evidence. Show me the evidence. Obviously, he hasn't provided that. Just saying that, oh, whenever there's there's high volume or, like, volatility, 
uh, you know, Binance seems to go on maintenance for their for their Monero wallets, and there may be other technical reasons for that as well. Just because, yeah, I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, every everyone says that with Coinbase too, and I think what it, yeah. if I were to guess, I think that some infra goes down under high load. And yeah. I don't think they're paying for higher infra than they need for a day-to-day -day basis because they want to, they, they're cheap. They want to keep money. And then when there's an unprecedented low, they're just like, oh, wait a second while we figure this out. Although everyone's rightfully scared because of FTX, right? Because FTX had no one's money. And so I guess that that, that is still relatively recent. So people are scared, but personally not yeah, no, I mean, worried I, about buying I, I think... I think it's right to to like say like hey yeah self custody and all that don't trust the exchange and all that but to 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 say that you know it's a fact that they're doing paper monero manipulating it like come on you know it's like I feel like there's so much other fish to fry and so much mm -hmm. other easier money to make but hey you know I guess you could say the same for FTX where they were making millions of every day and still it wasn't enough right but yeah you know hey you, you have regulators sitting within with the the department of justice uh uh you know sitting within binance right uh you know i feel like that sounds like a, a thing that they shouldn't be messing with right uh i don't understand why they would just doesn't make sense right if they were like mm -hmm. already settling and then next thing like oh i'm still gonna do some dodgy shit in the background Especially as something as fundamental as like messing with customer deposits, right? Yeah, so I, I would say way. I'm not saying that it's impossible, but come on, don't pre don't present it as fact. You know, it's more of like I I maybe think they are not to say undisputable evidence or like oh definitely they're doing it or calling them like oh they are totally you know scammy and whatnot. And I feel like wow, that's like kind of like I don't know. It just sometimes feels a. Uh, a lot of it is like, oh, America, only the Americans can be good. Only Kraken can be good. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Kraken is good. But just what would happen if Micah comes into place, force, which is like later this year, and Kraken says, oh, yeah, we can't support Monero in Europe. Are you still going to cheer for them? I mean, I mean like, they already did, I understand. By the way, which is, it's kind of <clears throat> funny because um, branding and posturing, virtue signaling are very powerful in the crypto space. <clears throat> And uh, I mean, in a lot of the Monero community, in, for example, and I understand their right to be upset, right? Or very upset with Binance saying, oh, they're looking at this criminal stuff, all this. And then they're very pro-Kraken because, because Kraken has come out and said in support that privacy is a human right. And, you know, they're the only, the big last regulated KYC, like fiat on-ramp exchange for Monero. And uh, people forget that they did delist Monero in, I believe, the UK. I don't remember if it was more than the UK, but they did do that, not because they're bad people, because yeah, they had they're to. Forced they to. Can't. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, people just had to realize that exchanges, are, a lot of them are, like, at least with Binance, you know they're being forced to, right? There are mm -hmm. other exchanges which <laughs> yeah. just kind of like. <laughs> I mean, is like, CZ in prison or something right now? I mean, it's not like they're, he's not free to move around, that much I know. So yeah, it's yeah, not like yeah. they're in great shape right now. It's not like they have a lot of options to say, you know, fuck the feds. Yeah, I mean, like, I just find it a bit, like, it's it's so, it's just like, ah, uh, you know, like, I find that it kind of makes the privacy community just look like people with pitchforks and, and or tinfoil hats. And, and that to me is like, 
Yeah, you're actually... Because my, my arguments to say, like, look, I, I totally understand why Monero had to do what they do. There was basically no other option for them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this was part of their ethos. It's part of their, their you know, I guess their culture, right? Uh, and also, you know, how would they in- introduce transparent addresses? It's just like, it kind of like crash the whole privacy model as well, just because of the way ring signatures work. You have some like, you know, transparent stuff. It's just going to be a lot of technical work and they it doesn't make sense to do it just to preserve Binance, right? Yeah, of course. But yeah, obviously, you know, if it was like all the exchanges, you know, and I feel that, they will be more delistings. They will lo- continue to lose more, uh, especially the big ones that you know may have come under some regulatory pressure. They they would, and that to me is, I'm not cheering for it. By the way, mm-hmm. I'm I'm lamenting it because it means that privacy coins are going to be kind of like this barrier like you know we are very cut off from mainstream access and everyone's like oh yeah we could use all these dexes right and Mm -hmm. i mean uh, yeah i know i know but but how many of you have tried it right like you know like yeah a few of us yeah like you have you have obviously but the experience is you know especially like with the monero ones right like everyone's talking Mm -hmm. about serai which which I you know I, I'm I'm friends with Luke and Kai, oh his name Kaya Bandev, right and mm-hmm. and he's great uh, and but then like okay what else is there there's like Bisk uh, there's basic swap decks which just today you know someone was saying like yeah you know it's still kind of buggy it's getting there right mm-hmm. and obviously Torchain I don't think is probably not going to list Monero not with the 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 regulation on on, on it. I, I, I think yeah. Maya is going to support it. So I'm like, Secret had this bridge, which was basically a multi-sig, and <laughs> they stopped that as well. Uh, so I'm like, well, what kind of good DEX options do you have? You know, Haveno? You know, like... like Yeah, you know? personally, I mean, obviously I've been close, very close to the Maya team, and I'm a fan of Thorchain and stuff like that. But sure. honestly, I do think that there's a big gap between um dexes in terms of the the amm dexes and then yes. just the atomic dexes and there's no no hate to the atomic dexes like the decred dex yes. and the you know basic swaps and all that which they said they were just mad at me today because i was like why didn't you mention basic swap i'm like you guys are great but yeah. I can get someone to connect their MetaMask into like a Thorchain interface and click the swap button and you get the coin. And yeah. before you know, you get memoless swaps and it'll be just like old school shapeshift. You can't, you don't have to download a whole client and sync up a client. And like, it's just not going to be the same. Uh, so I do know that, um, I mean, I don't want to speak for it, but I think the Maya uh, people are, are might be investigating Zcash now. And mm-hmm. obviously, Sarai's entire thing is around doing Monero. So once, if if you get some kind of good cross chain, if you get a good cross dex aggregation going, then yep. you can start talking about you don't need the centralized exchanges. But yes. it's a little early for that. Still, it's still it's still like I think it's like play nice to hold them off as long as you can until yes. you don't, don't need them anymore. One of the arguments of like people saying, "Why are you bending the knee to to regulators and and like you know coming out of this?" And I'm like, "Look, I'm buying time. 
you know even mm-hmm. even because people say like they'll just come up with new regulations i mean like i'm gonna try to buy as much time as i can but not at the risk of and not not at the cost of like you know unacceptable losses in privacy and i think that line although people say oh where does where's the line drawn i think it's quite clear it's like yeah if, if i have to do something to introduce a back door or, or you know introduce something that that you know like looks into your transactions i mean like oh view keys are fine i i don't like it like it, it's mm-hmm. a functionality that pe- that all privacy coins should have by the way yeah, you know a course. lot of people say oh monero has view keys monero only has incoming view keys it does not have outgoing view keys so it's not even good enough and what that means is that you only can see money going in you can't see money coming out so you can't even impute balance right so mm-hmm. yeah even if they wanted to comply uh, with view keys that's also impossible right so let, let's be honest there and like it's also a matter of fact that Monero technically cannot comply philosophically also it, it shouldn't right but what I'm saying is that look you know it's very yeah. clear what their decision should be, right? And and the, the considerations that Firo has, that Zcash has, especially with our privacy model, which, you know, with ZK type of constructions, it's not as reliant as like, oh, having this huge amount of decoys to pick from because mm-hmm. it's done in, in that kind of ZK type of approach, which is less 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 problematic when, when you have, uh, obviously, mandatory privacy, has improved, uh, would have improvements, but it is not as badly affected as, let's say, something like Ring CT, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely, I mean, with the Monero case, it's definitely a dual case, as you mentioned, of technology and branding. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, Monero was somewhere in the, what was it, the 140 range or something, 145, and then the delisting happened, it went down to like 100, it would... It was yeah. very far, but it bounced back most of the way uh-huh. already. So fifty percent back. Yeah, yeah, losing losing what used to be the only huge the mega exchange on the planet, and still is huge. But like, it could be a death blow to another project. To yeah. Monero, they survived. However, if Monero had enabled exchange addresses or something, my guess is, although the drop wouldn't have been as fast, the drop would have been more. Like people would have been like, ah, yeah. oh, let's get out of this thing and. You know, yeah, it would really yeah, ruin yeah. the image it's a whole lot. Right. Yeah, so when we're seeing all this stuff happening, um, obviously, I'm very hopeful for the DEX future. The DEX present is kind of shaky. It's We're getting there. It'll take some time. Uh, but as far as just privacy in general, right? Um, obviously, I, I, would, yes. I, I, I would like to quickly just like highlight something about DEXs because like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, whenever I hear that conversation on Monero and stuff like that, and obviously, I have the utmost respect for Sarai and, and Luke. Like he's amazing, but at the same time, he is a known target, right? If regulators mm-hmm. really want to crack down, they will find a reason to say, "Ah, you you knowingly, you know, did all this thing. You're making a profit." Obviously, you know, I I, I did I did I mean I, I I told Luke personally like, have you sought legal advice? You really should because like you don't mm-hmm. want to be another tornado cash, right? You may think that this is fine, and maybe it is, but do you want to take that risk, right? And I guess it's the same thing with like Torchain and Maya, because unlike in Uniswap, because Uniswap obviously is just EVM, right? Anyone can mm-hmm. just create a pen, it's just on the smart contract thing. With Torchain and Maya, in a way, it's like 
like there has there has to be support obviously you can say oh yeah the validators vote and whatnot to to add support but it is i wouldn't say it's like a totally decentralized thing they still have to choose which assets they want to support uh mm-hmm. and and that to me makes it it's not as permissionless as let's say something like uniswap with with erc20 tokens right i mean yeah they can control the front end but that's it right with yeah with that's kind of more of a yeah. structural thing because first of mm-hmm. all, the smart contract once deployed, which is annoying. I that there's so many Uniswaps out there because they keep deploying new ones and the old ones are still there. But yeah. so that's a problem. But the good part is you can't shut it down. Then the good, the bad part is uh, the good part. I guess is as you mentioned, you could use any token to swap. The bad part of that is it's it's all because you just support Ethereum. That's all you do, and you just it yep. automatically has all these tokens. Whereas with like Thorchain, they have to run explicitly run validators for yes. everything. Yes, so, I mean I, I'm not blaming them. It's yeah. it's just more of like I understand the the the, the require the requirements are different when you're doing cross chain, but it also means that you know they for those people known teams or even let's say like partially docs teams it is mm-hmm. a risk right of and, course and if if regulators that like, really wanted to come especially like i would say like it's more a problem with stuff like sarai right like where you have a small team and very clear uh, lead right that may mm-hmm. not solve all your issues if like you know if they, they threaten luke somehow to say like hey you're gonna go to jail you know are you gonna continue doing this you know like like you know that 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 is uh hard to expect people to do that because i even even myself right i i consider myself like very pro privacy but if 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 my government told me that i would go to jail for it i would mm-hmm. probably stop like not because i i i i i like it but it's more of like yeah you know other you things are important too like my family right and my freedom yeah, right so, so yeah, yeah so that, that makes a lot of sense and Good thing is there's so many of these DEXs and there's team turnover sometimes and like open source code and you know it's like right it's getting better. You try your but, best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so as far as the climate of privacy in general, um, obviously people like you and I are into the con- into privacy is like the fundamental human right. We're kind of a little bit radicals mm. in this way and all that kind of stuff. Extremists even. <laughs> but the yeah. the reality is also that it's a very regular as like the Zcash people like to say privacy is normal and it's with the crypto with the the crypto world as it is the level of privacy is nowhere near good enough for regular normies to use it's yeah. to like where you have like a one ethereum address with your account and then all your nfts which someday will be like the title to all the legal title to all the cars you own will be in that little address there that anyone can see without any hacker skills and like all that stuff is just not going to work. And so do you see anything of a shift happening soon or like right now starting to shift where people are starting to see that some kinds of privacy are normalized. So like maybe we do need to, to let, average people coin join their funds so that maybe okay if the government wants to run their their best people buy it to track some criminal and stuff they still can but the average person won't be able to tell 
where the money came from for your coffee. Is do you, do you see a change of that as a, in the conversation at all? And is with like providers with um, exchanges with things like that? Or are we are we kind of still in the intellectual dark ages with privacy? I, I, I do think, unfortunately, I mean, like, there is more awareness, but then I feel that, at least from the exchange side of things, you know, I don't think it's their major concern, right? Obviously, as a as a centralized entity with KYC and all of that, obviously, privacy is like, eh, you know. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people citing, oh, yeah, we are GDPR compliant, and I'm like, Okay, you know, like <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the law applies like that, right? But, but I, I guess my, 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 my think it. My thing is that, you know, I still see a lot of indirect type of pressure. Like if you take a look, uh, there's this project called Nocturne, called uh, Nocturne mm-hmm. that was being built on Ethereum, which had this whole kind of like address system that you can hold your funds securely and it was a really good um, move forward but they decided they gave an excuse like oh privacy isn't important which was kind of weird they will say privacy is only important once you have adoption okay are you saying Ethereum doesn't have adoption uh, so I felt that it was an excuse that I, I think they, they they probably got scared of some you know regulatory thing and just decided to, to shut the uh, and you know like if you take a look at Aztec you know, Aztec also used to be all about like hey, private transactions, and now they're like, oh no, 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 we are about private compute, uh, not mm-hmm. about private transactions. And there's like a roundabout way to get private transactions and all that. And you take a look, like most of the type talks of ZK is more about compression, about L2s, about bridges, not so much about privacy. So I do feel that, unfortunately, in terms of mindshare, I, I do think that. Privacy is kind of suffering, and and because normies also care about price go up, you know when when that's this whole looming thing of delistings and all of that, it, it's scary, right? You're like, why should I, you know, I can talk about I care about privacy, but you know if I'm gonna lose fifty percent and when the delisting, right? Uh, you know, do I feel safe putting my money in in a privacy cryptocurrency? I mean, let's face it, that speculation does. Uh, drive also adoption uh, eventually, right? So, so yeah, I, I, I'm a bit. I feel that that the only time that privacy will come to the forefront is that when really bad shit starts happening, and that may be when a CBDC comes, right? Or like you know when when like like those sorts of things start coming, and you feel like holy crap, like, I'm being cut out, like, if more stuff like the Canadian truckers happen, right? And then then average people feel like, I'm at risk. This is important to me, right? Because before that, in a way, that's why I find that privacy is hard to sell compared to, let's say, a NFT or some new scaling thing because all of the, or AI, because they're all selling a bright, beautiful future that you can get excited about. Right, well, privacy you are building for a world that you don't really want to be in. <laughs> you know, it's like you're building for a world that you don't want, <laughs> which which is like, yeah, you know, my my product has a lot of product market fit. If like you know, we go down the Big Brother route and like you know that 1984 type of thing, then you're like yeah, I need this shit, right? Yeah, and which is yeah. <laughs> well, the the bright future thing. 
um, it might just be that you have to 1984 some people to reality to understand right. it. There's that approach. There's also the fact that privacy enables more things because you don't have to worry about hiding them. So, for example, if you have encrypted messaging and end-to-end -end, -end encrypted messages, you can talk shit all you want to your friends. Whereas if you're doing it in a Slack channel, the owner of the Slack can read all those messages and get you fired, for example. And so it's like the extra freedom to do things. And, for example, when you share your... your um, public address like your cash app or whatever it is your bitcoin address knowing that no one's going to see what happens there makes you much more likely to do that even on a very you know in a very simplistic kind of a way so maybe you know there are a lot of privacy educators out there happening i mean obviously naomi brocco is doing a fantastic job on her front but she's more i guess intentional on that um i do unfortunately use tiktok and there are some fun TikTok creators who do things like try to try to find your username, your your real name and birth name from publicly available social media stuff. And it's just so easy from just amateurs yeah. or just one picture or video. Where am I in the yes. world? And they triangulate by this Google Maps street signs and just there are some things like that, which I think could maybe do our job for us. But I mean, it's really people have to be scared, probably. And I some of it is government stuff but some of it is just you know a couple of stories about some someone at the coffee shop followed the person home because they saw they had a bunch of money in their bitcoin wallet and then they hit them over the head and then people get scared and now they don't want to use it unless it has privacy yeah i mean let, let me kind of qualify my, my my previous statement in the sense that i think financial privacy is kind of in the dark ages but with other types of privacy especially messaging with end-to-end -end encryption with cloud type of stuff that has been improving a lot like in the past couple of years like i mean like just in the past 10 years you know end-to-end -end encryption used to be something like hardly anyone i mean even https was was like uh you know only some sites support it but but now it's like well, it, it's it's a standard, right? And end-to-end -end encrypted messaging is is I would say present in most major, uh, major messaging systems, with the exception of Telegram, which a lot of people still think it's uh, private, unfortunately. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but but if you take a look, like the that battle, I would say is. We, privacy is winning because like for example like you see UK they, they tried to say like no we don't we want to ban all types of end-to-end -end encrypted messaging and all of that right and then mm. basically Apple and all these other tech giants say like well if you want to do that then well all your UK users aren't going to have iMessage all you mm -hmm. people not going to have WhatsApp because we're not going to give you a, 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 Back a watered down version right which was great because then then they knew that, oh yeah, this will piss a lot of people off, then they backtrack, right? Mm -hmm. That means that enough people care about privacy to make it a real threat that these companies that they do have privacy are willing to hit back and say, well, if you don't, if, if you force us to do this, if we do that, enough people are going to get angry that you guys are going to get in trouble, right? But we haven't really, financial privacy, unfortunately, hasn't really gotten there you know it's always like oh you know you must be facilitating money laundering and all of that and when you actually look at it and i'm like you know look 
let's face it, even okay, first of all, crypto money laundering is only like a very like drop in the ocean, right? Of actual money laundering, which is happening mm-hmm. through banking systems and, and fiat and all that. But okay, even if we say crypto money laundering, obviously nowadays is new. More and more uh, terrorists and all these are using crypto for money laundering. But take a look, guess where they are using them? Where are they money laundering on? They're freaking on, on like USDT, right? <laughs> On Tron, right? Yeah. No, pri- no privacy, you know, like there's whole documents like Sinaloa drug cartel and all of that. They're using they're using USDT, right? And okay, you know, I guess you can say Tornado Cash as North Korea, right? And and all of that. But at the same time, you know, it's like it shows that that why are you focusing so much on privacy coins when they already exist for a long time and the evidence of money laundering on these privacy coins are not that great, mainly because mainly because they want the money launderers want US dollars or something in fiat value, right? They they just want to move it through the systems and crypto isn't really good with that. And plus mm-hmm. and the ironic thing is that by freaking delisting and putting it off major exchanges, regulators actually have less insight into what's happening. Because yeah. Right, right now, you know, because centralized exchanges work and they are convenient and they have large pools of liquidity, if I want to cash out a large amount of Monero, most likely I have to do it through a centralized exchange. And then at least I have some insight into it, right? But you delist it from all the centralized exchanges and then, and then what, right? Like, where are you going to get this additional information, right? You're not going to get any KYC data, right? Mm-hmm. So... So, so it's kind of silly. I always, I always find it very puzzling as to why, uh, you know, regulators are so hell bent on, you know, fighting this privacy coin bogeyman when there are much bigger fishes to get, right? Like, yeah, why, why hasn't anyone of of note gone to jail for like laundering money for the Sinaloa drug cartel, right? Like, HSBC did it. All these banks do it. No one's going to jail. Everyone's just getting a little fine. And I'm like, right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> who knows? There's a bunch of different things like control. It could be also that it's a, a honeypot move because if there's only one sketchy exchange that uh, that does all this stuff, then if you have someone on the inside, as soon as you see, oh, someone dumped a bunch of Monero on the exchange, you just like, you just traced it. Whereas if it's a bunch of exchanges, it could be, could be anywhere. It could be, it could be a honeypot effect. It could be, who knows, number of things. But um, it definitely does seem like you know the money talks as far as if there's pressure from financial interest to have something that they'll find a way, which kind of makes me think of uh, just the profitability of the pro- of the privacy coin sector specifically, yes. but also a lot of crypto stuff. And I, I have to say that you know the free market works in mysterious ways, and it's always right. Maybe not on time, maybe not on our schedule, but it's always right. And sometimes it's like, it's a matter of seeing what is it telling us that we're not learning? What are the lessons we're not learning? And as far as crypto as a whole, um, the Bitcoin use, times were simple back in the days of everyone knew the value proposition of Bitcoin and people just threw lots of money at it. And then it came to, okay, well, there's Bitcoin, there's other use cases, you know, Ethereum does other things too. 
Now we're at a very interesting, I would call it like a cynical value proposition stage where the big hitters are, you know, Bitcoin in its least useful form it's ever been. And it's most confused as far as a roadmap. It's whatever. Ethereum as well. And then at Ethereum, like NFTs seem to be the number one use case for crypto today for the whole space, which is they're not useful NFTs yet either. So it's, it's an interesting time. And all the stuff that had value that's like the natural successor to what at least what we think is to the original bitcoin mission which is to make it a better better version of digital cash which improves on privacy and you know sovereignty and things like that um that doesn't seem to have been doing so well now monero obviously has made things very difficult for themselves by being by being like hardcore and having a a difficulty in in transparent addresses and things like that uh and but despite that has done okay, I think. I would say, you know, it could be better, but like me, everything yeah. else just just garbage. <laughs> like as far as the prices, like PIVX down, you know, I mean, Firo, what do you call it? I don't yeah, know if yeah. you lump dash into the group, but then you take Zcash definitely. And like Zcash is yes. especially, the Zcash community is having, a, especially in each, a lot of soul searching because Zcash had a lot of like hype and money in the early days. And built some of you know state of the art things, and are being viciously punished for it. At least that's the perspective. And so, first of all, um, do you have a, a major theory on why privacy is so important? Yet right now, people aren't pouring money into privacy projects. I mean, let's face it, right? Like, privacy has value, like. Monero is the only, I would say, you know, even even when you compare to Zcash, Monero is the only coin at the moment, privacy coin at the moment that's actually used like cash. Or one might one might say that maybe it's one of the few in the whole crypto space that's kind of used like cash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, I feel like with them, they they have like a good amount of adoption, a lot of, of users they're actually using it, um, and therefore, you know, they have fed better than other privacy coins but even as a crypto it has underperformed you know i mean mm-hmm. like i would say yeah. like you know it's, it's still not great like you know compared to any sort of other vcl1s or like oh, like another another evm fork another l1 another oh or another l2 right mm-hmm. that's secured by a freaking multi-sig right and Let's face it, like, you know, I, I don't think we've really moved past the, the casino more. We just, we are, we have moved from Wild West casino to, to Wild, to casino with VCs and big money in it. <laughs> yeah, the casino it's got currently, larger. Yeah, the casino got larger with much <laughs> We're more We're not doing the little slot players. machine things anymore. We're doing like the big stakes poker tables now, but yeah. it's still the games. And, and those like you know those crazy people with like you know the the who have all these mad skills are coming in and and we just feel like we are still stuck on the slot machines right like mm-hmm. I I I feel that unfortunately is the case and as long as that happens as long as that is the the the, the main thing about crypto which is about getting rich and all of that then privacy isn't going to be that important. 
you know, because like, well, if it's about casino, I'm like, yeah, okay, you can maybe you can talk about something about like all the book, like you know, hiding. Uh, hiding stuff so the MEV doesn't happen, or like you know, hiding your your movements and stuff like that. I mean, that that may have some benefit, but because it's a casino, no one really cares. It's like, yeah, like, see me buy this shit coin. Like, so if people see me buy this shit coin, then more people will ape into it, right? You know, like that kind yeah. of that, that, that's kind of how it, it happens, right? And let's face it, none of the most of the other privacy coins that I've also like taken a look at uh, when they had a big pump a lot of the times it was like the they had a very centralized emission right which to mm-hmm. me you know means there's some manipulation there or they're listed on some really small exchange in which they can push the price up because yeah your mm-hmm. volume is so little you can do that or it's being promoted by some uh influencer uh that you know just using using the rest as exit liquidity right I mean, that, unfortunately, that's what I think. And why Monero is, well, you know, comparatively among privacy coins has done better is because they have actual usage. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why I'm saying that, you know, losing this centralized exchange listings is going to also hurt that because, okay, as someone who, who lives off crypto, right, there's a lot of times you still need that fiat conversion point, right? You need these integrations to, to go load it into cards, to buy gift things there's that conversion from fiat if you lose your centralized exchange listings a lot of those integrations will break because i don't think there's an easy way to do that on dex so then what's left right then well then you only have the illicit less more illicit activity on it right because then its usefulness as a currency that you can use is a lot less because you have less things you can buy right so I do think that, that that I'm not saying that that we should bend over to centralized exchange, but it is not something we should freaking celebrate. That's all I'm saying, you know. Like, don't go, yeah, delist all and centralized. We are not ready, you know. And you're gonna be making it worse as money, not just for your project, but for all other privacy projects because now we are seen as this, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. you are the poster boy. Monero is the poster boy for. Pri- for privacy coins and whatever they do has impact on the rest of us, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of a bleak state, but as I said, that I'm building this, you know, I mean, sure, you know, I I probably can build other things that, that would make me a lot more money, but I'm building this because I really believe in, 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 in what I'm building, that, that it is required and that, you know, if there comes a time where you know, like where this oppression or this world, like I do think we are heading down that way. If we don't do anything, uh, you know, we will be there to 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 meet that need, right? But yeah, that's gonna be a very long term game. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. I did do some brief market research because I was thinking, like, what do what does the market want? And I did find a few things. I don't remember where my notes are, but uh. For one thing, I have heard often repeated that the CoinJoin Whirlpool on Bitcoin has more coins in it than all the Lightning Network. And there's obviously multiple CoinJoin protocols that are, whoever runs them can maintain businesses, like pay salaries off of just the revenue for that. Whereas if you look at the the transaction fees for all the privacy coins combined on the network that doesn't pay that pays for someone's lunch once in a while it's a very little right yeah. comparatively and then you look at for example i mean tornado cash had its day 
But Railgun today, which I'm sure you know those guys, um, has yes. been doing pretty fantastically as far as... I haven't checked the numbers in the last six months or so, but the numbers were like significant revenue, like hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. a day by running the pro privacy protocols on Ethereum, Polygon, Arbitrum, all the other things like that. It also, it's worth noting that, of course, not only are there a bunch, bunch of privacy coins out there and there's a bunch of new projects keep popping up, but uh, then Litecoin, it seems like Litecoin's entire uh, development like recent past and future is all focused on privacy. There's nothing else going on. And I'm not saying that as an insult yeah. to Litecoin because I've been a critic in the past, but it's clear that a lot of people are using Litecoin today for real things. And they're yeah. leading into this and just working fast on like the mobile wallets and trying to get Mimblewimble in there and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I guess there is clearly a demand for privacy. It's the, the projects that pioneer a lot of it just aren't necessarily getting the same love, which kind of brings to a certain point. Uh, yeah, my friend Ian Sagstetter, who used to work for the Electric Coin Company, and I guess now he's more of a Monero guy, but he you know, does other things. He's been talking a lot about, he raised a very controversial question to the Zcash community, but I think it's an important question for every community, especially in the privacy space, of like, um, what if Zcash becomes like an L2 of some other blockchain? Oh, no, instead. no, yes, I'm very familiar. Yeah. yeah, and of course, a lot of people got upset, and some of that getting upset, I'm sure, is you know knee-jerk reactions, but also a lot of it is, well, what the hell? I bought this coin. I invested in this project. I, I built this privacy technology through my investment, and now I'm getting nothing for it. Like, it's just going away. Someone else is taking it, which I'm sure led to the old Bosal license stuff under the Zuko era yes. of, like, we're paying all this money for this and other people are taking it. It's just like, why am I, this is like a charity thing. And yeah. so I guess the question is, is there a possibility for uh, privacy projects? Because privacy projects seem to do a fantastic job of working on the core technology and moving the state of the art forward. And if you look at the Zcash example, what Zcash has accomplished with the money it's had is on one part, it would be... The, considered one of the most successful projects in the space another yes. part it'd be one of the least successful projects in the space yes. so yeah. how do we basically how do we reconcile that what, what are some ideas like obviously oh make it an l2 but how does that benefit like so for example right. if, how does how does firo build tech that the world ends up using it's not just a yeah. few people i think and how and how does that still enable Firo to continue on and be Firo, for example. Or some do you have any ideas no. on that? Yeah, yeah. Because I this is actually something that I think a few few projects, privacy projects are kind of realizing already. And we have realized it ourselves uh, a while back. And the idea is that, you know, if you're just a privacy currency, you know, that that has obviously an important use case, but the the market for just having a privacy cryptocurrency is not that large, right? You have to do other things, right? And and one of the things is that you can't see privacy. It's, it's, it's a product, but it is in service of protecting other types of assets as well, right? And mm -hmm. that's why Tornado Cash has succeeded. Railgun, yeah, you know, they have a lot of... Uh, of course, their, their, their governance token hasn't done so well, which I also feel like, ah, one of those governance token things. But 
they 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 have like you know a really usable product i i use it on on a regular basis right mm-hmm. uh but so that makes me think think that you know if you think if you're reliant on a token to go up in price and to do that that's probably not going to work but if you see privacy as a service then there's some money to be made because there is a demand for that. Obviously, that gets into a much more tricky thing. And obviously, one of the arguments of being on the L2, being on this EEM, uh, like or basically within the, the Ethereum ecosystem is that there's already this rich token ecosystem that some people want to build privacy on, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess that kind of makes sense. You can bridge in and out. And this is actually a conversation that I'm also having with my community at the moment, obviously. There's some, uh, you know, nothing has been decided. I just thought like this, we have to have this conversation now because that will guide the the direction, right? But mm-hmm. one of the things that we were thinking about is like, look, you know, one of the things that we need is, is so we, we, we extended Spark to something called Spark Assets. And we find, I personally really want to see Spark Assets being built out. Why? It's because Spark Assets basically make you can create any type of token on Firo, right? And it would have that asset type hidden. So unlike in Tornado Cash where you can see USDT or USDC and you're like limited within the anonymity set of that, basically this goes into like this asset pool, which has a bunch mm-hmm. of assets, right? So even if I create like a total like Desert Links coin, maybe there's only five people using it, right? But yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter because that because when when you do a transaction with Desert Links coin, it looks like a Fero transaction. It looks like a stable coin transaction. It looks like everything else. And that makes that means now you are providing privacy as a service. You can charge certain fees on it. Of course, like you know, that means Fero becomes a bit of a utility token, kind of similar to Ethereum. But there's this this idea also that you know these master notes can obviously these are all like just ideas at this point in time. We have mm-hmm. some, I I mean smart assets is a completely fleshed out protocol in the sense that we already know how to do that. But in the sense of like well how do we build that incentive mechanism? So it'll be nice that if like master notes can come together and do bridging and they earn fees from the bridging and all of that, right? And it's about. Because one of the things is that when you start doing the EVM rule and all of that, you're kind of like, you know, inheriting all these things that were not built with privacy in mind, right? While I believe in, a, I would say, an ecosystem where each chain does a few things really, really well, right? Mm-hmm. So, so rather than like one coin rules them all, you know, let's have like this chain is really good for privacy. They can show all sorts of assets and they can do very cheap. Right, it's like okay, like Rogan is great. You try paying the fees on it; it's really expensive, right? Unless yeah, some that's other... definitely what I heard. <laughs> I haven't never used yeah. it myself, probably because I'm not an ETH user to begin with. But even then, that's a little bit, you know, crazy. Yeah, because uh, they they also charge like a zero point two five percent percent fee every time you shield in and shield out, and then you also have to pay on top of that the really really expensive fee because the 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 calculations and the cost like like if you want to do an Ethereum it's like 30 40 bucks uh for a transaction right uh but if you do it on the L2 maybe it's one buck two bucks and stuff like that but you know it, it's different right mm-hmm. so that's why I say well if we can build this kind of like token is ecosystem which not only improves 
Firo's usage as, you know, in terms of, of blockchain usage, more anonymity, every asset also gets that anonymity. And, you know, we also supporting like private NFTs and all of that. I feel that that may be something that is, that we are underestimating because if you take a look, like, you know, people say, oh yeah, NFTs have no use case and whatnot. They all like whatnot. But one of the things that we also had to realize, yeah, technically they're not very interesting, but they're really good at building economies and communities that are web tree kind of like native, right? Like, you know, we always talk about this circular economy to create like Monero or like, you know, people using Monero where every, everyone in the supply chain is using Monero so we're like free from fiat, right? That's always like the dream of any cryptocurrency. In a way, NFTs are kind of that, right? Because you can't buy an NFT with fiat. And yeah, you know, maybe it's not very interesting and, and all of that. But if there's a demand, that is a circular economy. Who is who are we to judge like whether this and and you know i would say that there is value in digital representations of collectibles and all of that but what i'm saying is that we need to find more things like nfts that are web tree specific right and if we enable this and we have create more this thing then yeah sure you know i would say all these privacy infrastructure stuff is going to make a lot more sense because now you have actual use cases people buying and selling or like participating in DeFi and all of that and because it's actual activity like not just like speculation then uh, you there's more of a demand for privacy so that's how I see our projects you know Monero will, will never probably will never support assets right mm-hmm. so projects like ours you know uh, that's how we are seeing ourselves like even Zcash is looking at ZSAs I think Zcash yeah, shielded assets or something like that alright and and I mean we have to see you know like like how far this thing and of course Xano is coming out with their own uh, you know shielded assets so it is a growing trend whether it would take off is a separate thing I think one of the biggest things is that how easy it is to provide liquidity to these tokens and how easy it is to bridge things over I think those are really two important things which is why I feel that I love what basic swap is doing and what of that but then there's something beautiful about the simplicity of putting creating an AMM mm-hmm. you, know, you don't have to watch it it just does what it does uh, and that to me I would say it's a key component of making a token ecosystem successful because I think expecting people to manage market making bots, uh, you know, no matter how easy it is, mm-hmm. is a bit a bit of a tall order because you need to keep some sort of infrastructure online. Yeah, so that's basically providing extra liquidity to or extra utility to the actual chains, and that's definitely one approach. Uh, a few things additionally so fees as well mm-hmm. yeah some thoughts that you know again these are not very well formed thoughts just sometimes i lay with <laughs> i'm in bed and i am just thinking like how is this all gonna shake out and one potential thing is um i kind of thought of like if you ha- have other projects that get bootstrapped and you if you've airdrop them to existing holders like there's an interesting idea of like oh let's say fear builds the best privacy tech 
but people aren't using the main chain other than a few hardcores. So why don't you, how do you reward Firo token holders? And one way might be, oh, like we're launching this new side chain, this new token, this new whatever on freaking Arbitrum or Solana or whatever it is. Is ZK Solana or whatever you want to call it. Sol Solana Spark. I don't know. And then uh, the only way to get it is if you, there's a snapshot to like Firo holders. And so you have all these people buying Firo so they can get it to do that. Of course, that's kind of something within completely open source ecosystem. It's a little bit harder to, you know, guarantee that that happens unless, of course, you then you have like, say, Firo devs doing, working on core protocol, but also working on these other projects as well. So they, because they donate their expertise, you can kind of make sure that that happens. And then it's just like a precedent of like, let's say, you know, there's a, a new like railgun, whatever, that the railgun governance token, half of it goes to Zcash holders or something. And so mm -hmm. Zcash can still maintain its thing and it has this exogenous value from that. There's that possibility. There's also the possibility of uh, using the... One thing I've had, like we've seen that stable coins have done pretty well as far as there's a lot of problems with stable coins, but they've been a big part of the crypto economy, increasingly big part. And I kind of have the idea of what if, let's just say a privacy protocol issued both like a, 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 a USD type stable coin and then a relatively trustworthy like wrapped Bitcoin type thing, like a Bitcoin stable coin. Because then people can don't have to hold some token that goes to zero. They get to send their Bitcoin privately and it's, got better trust assumptions than the freaking custodial lightning network or, you know, whatever liquid or whatever garbage that the maxis are pushing these days. Yeah. But basically you, and then they paying Firo transaction fees to use the Firo network to do this. And maybe that's the way you just build an yes. easy interoperable product. And I then mean, there you go. That, that's the main thing that, that we are thinking about because, you know, all these ZSAs and whatnot, and all this, they don't have actual like, easy bridges also because there's no smart contract functionality and building that in a privacy preserving manner without breaking all this other stuff is very very challenging which is why a lot of these bridges end up to be kind of like a oh, multi-sig type of base type of things right and obviously you know when you're dealing with stable coins where you know like you know that if you're building a bridge of stable coins you know you're going to get a lot of attention right and therefore like a multi-sig is not probably Good enough, right? Like to to say, like you know, uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge regulatory risk, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I feel that that definitely there has to be a way to to do. I guess I would say bridges with like EVM type of chain chains that have some sort of smart contract functionality, so that you reduce the reliance on these type of like multi validator, uh, multi sig type of models. And and I I mean that that is something that is a big thing. Obviously, some some other projects have decided uh, to like issue their own algorithmic stablecoin that has privacy. Like I think Haven, 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 yeah, Haven, yeah. Haven, and then like Beam also has this like uh, no, it's called Nephrite, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but they all, I mean, they have their. It sounds really good, but you know, I all, I mean. I, I'm not a big fan of algorithmic stable coins, you know. Obviously, with Nephrite, it's a 
over collateralized type of model, but then they're using beam as as the collateral, which kind of really limits the size of how big that stable coin can be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> I do think to me the only kind of real way for stable coins to be used on all these things is just to use existing stable coins and bridge them over. I mean that to me makes the most sense rather than trying to create some new stable Bitcoin because doing that yeah. without regulation is to me almost impossible at least if you want to survive for a decent amount of time yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the other surprise sleeper hit of the crypto <clears throat> markets these days has been tron because of tether <clears throat> tether on tron yes. in latin america and it's like mm, it is what it is like the market's not wrong you, you we're just we just have to adapt to it so yeah there's a, a another thing that like you mentioned with assets and things um the only reason why the problem with like assets is liquidity and so everyone wants erc20 tokens i minted some nfts on the wax blockchain and that ended up now i have to get rid of them i'm just only doing polygon ones for now but then i hear arbitrum is probably coming to the Maya protocol and stuff so now i might have to it's you know it's it's a pain right i understand but if you if there's a way of creating uh good like some sort of a revolutionary nft that works in some real way that's tied to something real like for example the first like uh electric bicycles or something that only unlock when you sign an nft transaction saying you own it and so it's like if you don't own the nft or you sell the property you just you sell the nft on a on nft marketplace and then someone just comes by and takes the bike and now or the scooter or whatever it is and now it works you don't actually have to to deal with escrows and shipping and all this nonsense you just do a purely digital marketplace i mean that's that like digital identity right yeah. yeah if you manage to do that better than everyone else for just a couple of products and have an easy integration for people to go oh i'm gonna send some like litecoin and back end it'll get converted to Fira to automatically buy this thing and now you have in your fear multi-coin or extension wallet or whatever the the property to this or there's some kind of unique thing that gets people in there uh then it, it works out that that works the problem is like um digital cash or money is like the biggest network effect reliant thing in the world and so it's extremely hard to get something started from nothing especially especially when there's a bunch of competitors, whereas like a standalone product, it's like iPhone versus Android, where it's really hard to get a third option. Like BlackBerry just died. You know, you just can't even do that. But if it's just like, oh, I'll go to a different like coffee shop. This is, or this is a kombucha shop. Oh, no one's ever had that before, but it's the same thing. You can go in and buy it and drink it. Same as anything else. Doesn't matter if it's a different thing. Then you don't have those network effects nearly as bad. One of the things that I've been thinking about and actually actively pursuing, which is, I would say, I would say ancillary to Firo, but it was something that was created from, I guess, Firo's labs or however you want to call it, it's, it's, it's voting, right? Because I think like, mm-hmm. and as you were aware, in 2018, we helped the High Democrat Party run their, their election and all of that. And obviously, it was not perfect. It wasn't the most like technically beautiful thing, but hey, we kind of did it. You know, 127,000 people voted. And, you know, people were, were reasonably happy with the results, right? But one of the things that, you know, obviously there are a lot of experts that, that, experts that say, oh, yeah, you know, e-voting, there's just too much issues. Let's just stick with paper. 
but I do actually genuinely believe there is there are ways to do privacy preserving type of voting. And I'm not just talking about DAOs, you know, to me DAO voting is like I always find it's just like a bit of a circle jerk uh, with, with mm-hmm. DAO voting. But what I've been trying to, to pitch, uh, which to, to at least my, my own government, is to say that how about, let's not talk about full elections. Let's talk about it as a polling tool, right? Because, like, you know, how does, how does freaking Gallup do this polling? They're still calling people. Who picks up those calls? You know, I'm like, I'm really wondering, like, what kind of population is picking up these calls and spending their time answering this thing? They must be a really old type of people because for me, when I see an unknown number or like something, I'm just going to freaking cancel it, right? Yeah. In but, fact, I know um, I pr- recently, within the last 10 years, was working in that environment. And I know people that still work there today. And I know they have to call up people and try to swing elections and things like that. And it's it's a mess of a system. There's nothing good today. The best thing tends to be Facebook ads today for reaching that. And the, if Facebook ads are your best shot, you know there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. But but what I was th- talking about, like, if there was a direct way to poll your citizens on what people care about, rather than just like calling them up and asking them, and giving them a small financial incentive to give their opinion, you know, obviously, maybe like you know, you can somehow weight it in a certain way where, where you know, if it leads to like what do they call that, Is that futaki or something, where that uh, if if like you know, it leads to a good outcome, like you know, you get more points or something like that. I, I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact thing. Of course, the, these, but the the thing is that our government spends so much money on this polling, but don't get really good results. And I, I my sister actually used to help a political party to try to uh, process all this data and get information about how people are feeling. And that was quite eye-opening for me, mainly because that... Um, so to just give some context, you know, I, I live in a state called Sarawak, and mm-hmm. and there was this uh, talk about oh, autonomy, you know, more autonomy from federal. We are, should get more, like, you know, independent, independent powers, right? Because we are not just a state or something like that, right? Uh, but and a lot of these politicians were like, oh, yeah, that's so important. So then they went to like campaign and say like, yeah, you know, Sarawak for Sarawak autonomy and all of this. But when you actually, when they actually poll the people, people are like, what's autonomy? <laughs> or, or even if they knew about it, they were like, it's really low down our list of priorities. Right now, we have, our houses are getting flooded because of poor drainage, you know, and we have rising costs of living and my education you know that's my that's my number one concern Sarawak for Sarawak that's a separate thing like that's really really low down their priority and this is the type of information that can help win elections right and if you can do that in in a polling way that you can poll your people in a privacy preserving way because you want people to give their true opinion and they will only give their true opinion if they know that they are doing it in a private but that they cannot be targeted right and one way to do that is through you know this type of uh like voting type privacy preserving voting systems which we actually figured out a whole way to do it using hmm. similar technology that was built on the lanterns and i think that's a really interesting use case and sure you know because i find that even like right now our our government has been paying people 
like a couple of cents to use their their like S Pay app, which is just like this thing where you can pay pay stuff online. It's like digital money, not really a CBDC, it's like centralized type of thing. But they're willing to pay people to use it, like a couple of cents for every single transaction. Well, what if you could get people's opinions and pay that amount? People would do it, you know. So I thought that was an interesting. Yeah, a bit off topic, but you know, while while we are talking about use cases of privacy and monetization, I do think that's a that is a kind of an untapped area. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure that's again if you could set up enough like liquidity or things that you could do, um, that could be an interesting ish, uh, thing where you basically say, um, if we're gonna pull people. Like someone wants people's opinion, so they put money in the polling pot, and then for individuals, again, you have to make sure that there's there are no double dipping, right? That each person is associated with that cryptographic whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever okay. votes anonymously also gets an anonymous like five or ten dollars worth of Firo gets sent to them, and then you get some supporting businesses that you guarantee that say, oh, I'll take at least one coffee you can buy with with this. And then people get to go use it and, you know, you kind of have that, that effect going on. And it could kind of be like an interesting polling situation where someone will like rush to like basic swap to get their fear or whatever, just to, you know, pump the price for a little bit, just so they could poll some people and that could be a, a product, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely a mindset change I've had in the last year or so has been, um, uh, stop thinking so much about movements and protocols and think more about products like the yeah. protocols need to serve a product and there needs to be products built on that on the protocol and i think the 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 whole uh, you know not to hammer the whole zcash point too much but the whole i think the zcash problems i think they thought they're going to build a beautiful innovation that would sell itself and it didn't sell itself and now i think uh, I don't know exactly how the Brave encrypted messenger thing is going to work, that, but it does sound like a product. It sounds like a mass user product. So that's a start. But it's like I think that all these things, and I guess Monero is the only purely privacy-driven project that has managed to survive as a purely digital cash-focused thing. Like all we do is private private money. All we do is you can buy children on the dark web. You know, that's all we do. Like just being very focused on it. And uh, it seems like everyone else needs a better. But even then with like the you need like a cake wallet with like gift cards and stuff in it for there to be a product for the, the digital cash. So make a product for people to sell. So I guess that might be a good um, I guess ending thought is um, Firo is brainstorming new products to build that can sell themselves without a net massive network effect ahead of time. Is that kind of, you know, is that kind of in your brain? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, I mean, we're thinking about the, we definitely, I mean, I think what we also did was like, you know, we focused too much on the tech and sure, you know, I, I do think that I don't regret it because we built really good and important stuff that's also leading to like huge improvements in Monero. So I would say like you know personally private there but if you're talking about like making money you know making the the price of the the token appreciate yeah you know i think that it is gone are the days where like you know you could do like a litecoin style and like change the little algo or change the block time and like yay right like that 
we were not not in that period anymore. We need to think about it as a product. We also need to think about the narrative that then drives it. A lot of the stuff are narrative driven, even though it is not much of a product. There has to be a vision to sell, right? And if you take a look at, at the cryptocurrency as a product, then I think then yeah, you know, you have to do some soul searching as to what actually you're gonna right. And I feel that uh, unless you have like a slush fund with like lots of VC money being thrown at you, you know, uh, if you like community supported and all of that, then that that's uh, well, it'd be also really interesting to see Harry's launch, which I I I, I understand is like quite close, uh, which has this interesting tie in with uh, YATs, uh, YATs. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Symbols that can represent links and all. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that goes uh, and whether that revives the, the conversation of privacy. Because, like, it just needs, like, one big privacy project to go boom and they're like, it's privacy season, right? Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. yeah, so maybe not this cycle, but the following cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Is in the 2028-29. Maybe that'll be our unofficial prediction. That's when you know privacy coins back. It's pissed, like you know, <laughs> big rocket launcher, and you know. We've been hearing this uh, privacy privacy coins turns for like maybe two three cycles now, and I'm like, yeah, I think it's more. It's a bit further out, but uh, I guess we'll we see. just have to stay in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Shilla Clock. Now, where, where can people follow you in Firo and keep up with everything that's going on? Sure. Uh, I mean, our website is at firo.org. Uh, you know, all the links are there. We're pretty active on our Telegram. All the links are there again. And Telegram and, and Discord are bridged to each other, so you can join. We also have a very active forum where I would say the serious conversations happen. So I think that mm-hmm. that's good to join. Uh, but yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm at Ruben Yap. I guess you put my name somewhere in the link there. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. post that much because uh, I'm just busy doing Firo stuff. But uh yeah, <laughs> you can follow me if you like seeing Aikido boxing and privacy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic mix of things, too. Cool. <laughs> yeah, well, good chatting with you. I hope you have a good one, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Joe.